This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. When you think of online advertisements, what comes to mind? Pop-up ads, pre-roll ads that run before your YouTube videos, maybe a huge banner ad that runs across your favorite website? These are the typical, easy, go-to ads many companies are leaning toward. But according to James Avery, the CEO of AdCirc, there's a better way, one that will lead to more return on investment and will be important in a third-party cookie-less world. He explains it all on this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and we are joined by special guest, James, what's going on? How's it going? It's a great day to be talking about ad platforms. This is, this is going to be a fun episode because we haven't had a lot of folks like you on. Um, we're going to talk about what you've built with AdZerk, uh, ad platforms. We're going to touch on a little bit of uh, what Google recently announced with cookies. Um, going to talk APIs and all that stuff. But before we get into it, how did you get started in marketing in the first place? Yeah, so I took a little bit of a roundabout path into the marketing world. Uh, I come from an engineering background. So I was a software developer, consultant, working with large uh, you know, corporations and enterprises, building enterprise software, uh, and then got into uh, running a blog, working with a number of uh, other bloggers. We formed a small vertical ad network. Uh, very focused on marketing to software developers. And that was really my entrance into into marketing. And it really kind of ties even into today because because of that software engineering background, we've always been very focused on APIs, enabling software developers. Uh, but then also the other side of it was building very high quality native ads that weren't going to offend our, our readers. And so that really kind of ties together the focus of AdZerk today, which is APIs, engineers, and uh, and really high quality native uh, you know unique formats. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting as we were doing our prep for this uh, episode because developers might be the hardest group to to target with the advertising. I would say you know we've talked to a lot of people, um, a lot of marketers on this show that you know target folks in IT or technology or, or whatever and developers are notoriously finicky they don't like to be sold to they like self-service they like a lot of stuff like that um so i'm curious any, any lessons in there yeah i mean we you know it's interesting because we we actually target a lot of you know for our own product we're targeting engineers and product managers to make sure they're aware of our apis so that they can build on top of them and i think for engineers they just see through any kind of marketing speak uh, they don't want to talk to your salesperson. Uh, you know, they want to get quickly to answers. And so one of the things we've found is that, you know, they're, it's not that they're immune to marketing. It's that they really want authentic marketing. Uh, you know, they want to know exactly what it is you're offering. They don't, uh, you know, they don't want to, want to set up a meeting to ask you about your APIs. They want you to have open documentation. They want to see sample code. Uh, so I think it really ties into kind of efficiency and and really, uh, you know, openness is what engineers tend to really value on this. So, you know, they'll see the ad, they might even click on the ad, but if it if it's going to a form generation, like you're going to have 100% drop off on that. See, that's what I love. Uh, that's great insight because that is so many 
people right now. And I was actually hanging out with uh, the qualified.com uh, folks yesterday. And we were talking about this exact thing um, because they have one of the bots on their site. That's like, do you hate, or are you basically less likely going to, uh, going to do something if you have to uh, fill out a form? And I, I was like, yes. And it's just so true. And especially people like that, like they do not want to opt in with a form and there's so much of marketing, especially B2B right now that is built with sign up for the webinar, sign up for this, fill, you know, do this to get the white paper, all of these gated things. Um, and you're potentially, when you have a certain demographic, you know, maybe marketers don't care about that stuff, but someone like developers absolutely does care. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny when with engineers and developers, what you'll see is that when they, they will eventually fill out the form, uh, but a lot of times they'll fill out a form on our site and they've already like read through our APIs. They have a list of like five very specific questions about how our system works that they want to get answered and they want to know pricing, things like that. Uh, but they, you know, if you give them that information, they do all that research and then they actually come in really informed and they're the best leads at the end of the day. Now you're just not, you know, you're getting less of them because they're not coming in with a, you know, uh, when they haven't done that research, uh, but they are very high quality leads once they do reach out and make contact. Yeah, that's so that's so fascinating, um, and it is one of the problems that we all we all want. We want better quality. Um, we want less less just you know casual people stopping by and wasting our salespeople's time. Um, and then it just positions the salesperson as the consultant. Um, and and to take a step back. You know, share a little bit more about AdZerk and um, like who are your customers? Uh, what are you what are you solving for them? So we're a set of APIs that enable our customers to build high quality ad platforms. So the reason we kind of talk about them as ad platforms is that you know uh, when you look at people like Google, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all these companies have built really high quality ad platforms, you know, and as a, as a CMO or a VP of marketing, like you're spending a large amount of your money probably on, you know, AdWords and, and Facebook ads and, you know, and, and Twitter and things like that. Uh, and then for the rest of publishers, what the story's always been is, well, you can show banner ads or pre-roll video or, you know, these kind of, you know, or traditional ad networks where you're not sure where the ads are being shown or the, return on investment is usually a lot lower. And so what we've done is by packaging up these APIs, we enable other customers of ours to go and build platforms that are on the level of a Facebook or a Google, but built specifically for their platform. Uh, so as a real world example, uh, we work with Edmunds, who's the you know car research site, right? So I'm looking to buy a car, I go to Edmunds, uh, you know, I'm researching different cars, you know, maybe I'm searching for a Jeep Wrangler, and, uh, you know, one of the, you know, very Google-like kind of ad would be, well, if I'm searching for a Jeep Wrangler, you now know that I'm, I'm interested in buying, uh, you know, this vehicle, you know, let's show them Jeep Wranglers that are around the area, you know, and so they have a listing of Jeep Wranglers around the area and dealers or Jeep corporate can, can promote their listing so that they are closer to the top. Uh, and then it also, you know, obviously you have to market as sponsored, uh, same way as Google or Facebook. Uh, but that's the kind of platform that can take a huge amount of engineering resources to go and build. And our APIs give people the capability to build that a lot faster. Uh, so essentially, we like to say it as like we're helping, we're helping people build their own walled gardens, uh, but really their own ad platforms that are going to deliver a lot more value than your classic banner ads. And some of these things, you know, are things like you said, you know, there's 
Uh, and if, if people want to check out the website, just go to adzerk.com. Um, and you can see some examples there. Um, but yeah, somebody browsing for a car and, you know, one of the cars is a, is a sponsored uh, link or, you know, somebody is browsing for uh, some goods similar to, you know, some stuff that you'd see on an Amazon or something like that. Um, but just on, on different sites, is that kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amazon's another great example of somebody who's built a, a multi-billion dollar ad business and they built it from the ground up. And so we really, you know, we want to try to give the tools to these other companies that, that want to build that same sort of ad platform. And so how many like marketers do you work with? Because I think that this is something really interesting where you have the perfect blend of engineering plus marketing, you know, the tech stack plus marketing kind of in this conversation as almost equal stakeholders. Yeah. I mean, so the interesting thing is that we don't, we don't really work directly with marketers. Our customers work with, you know, a ton of marketers, right? Like our customers are the ones who are, who are in control of their own ads. And so they're the ones doing the direct deals. And so it's funny, we're kind of the, we're one layer down uh, the stack. But I think, you know, I think the reason it's important for marketers to know about is really because, you know, there are these other ad platforms out there that can provide better value than kind of spending across the ad networks and exchanges of the world. Uh, and I think we're helping people build those every day. Well, yeah. And that's kind of what I was curious about because, you know, using the Edmonds example is, um, so if a marketer is, you know, for Toyota is advertising on Edmonds for the brand new Toyota Camry, um, and they would be working directly with Edmonds, they wouldn't necessarily know that AdZerk is the one providing the service, right? Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything that like you've seen across, you know, these type of publishing platforms or, or platforms that has been something a little shocking to you? Shocking. Um, I don't know. I think that the, you know, I think the creativeness of some of our customers and the ways they've been able to really integrate advertising in a, in a high quality native way, uh, you know, I think is, is, you know, maybe not shocking, but I think it's always impressive. Like we're always, uh, we're always impressed with some of the things our customers and the product managers working at our customers uh, come up with. And we think that that's really, you know, kind of the future of advertising, right? It's like unleashing this, this, you know, product management world on advertising to build these really unique, inventive ways of, of integrating advertising in a way that's not, you know, a, a traditional banner ad. Well, yeah. And that's kind of why, I mean, we, we look at the things like, you know, um, people also bought, you know, uh, compare with this, you know, goes great with this most popular item, um, you know, whatever it is, little things that we are so used to now because of Amazon and, and Google and all that sort of stuff that, you know, all those things are sort of like psychological tools, like, you know, oh, this is the most popular item. I should get this. Or, oh, people always buy, you know, you know, when they buy their coffee, they also buy a coffee mug or whatever. And it's all these intuitive things that have been backed by science. And so I'm curious, like, how do you think marketers can continue to innovate on platforms like this where there is some level of rigidity? There is only a finite amount of space. Or, or more importantly, like, how do you blend these into larger campaigns as like a piece of your campaign? Because I would imagine, you know, take the Toyota, for example. 
of course Toyota is going to be, you know, want their want their sponsored car on Edmonds because, you know, that's where the person is is making a buying decision. But they still also have, you know, billions of dollars probably tied up in long term, you know, campaign TV and different out of home and all sorts of different stuff. So I'm just curious, like, how have you seen some of that creativity? Because we're an API, you know, we have customers using us in all these different ways. And so in some cases, like the Edmonds case, I think aligns a lot more with how people use AdWords. You know, a lot of times AdWords isn't necessarily part of a specific campaign. It's saying, look, if anybody searches for Toyota Camry on Google, like we want the official Toyota Camry ad to be on the top, not, you know, somebody else trying to get this or Honda trying to cross market under our brand, things like that. Uh, So I think in a lot of ways, like a site like Edmunds really becomes like a a Google-like platform for the car dealers and car dealers and brands where they say, we just have to make sure we're here. We have to make sure we're spending here. It's not necessarily part of a, a summer slam event or something like that, right? Like this is a you know, we have this, this is a core part of marketing that we just have a budget dedicated to. Um, But then, you know, we work with other customers on really interesting ads that are, you know, very different formats. So for instance, you know, working with Bed Bath & Beyond, they use us to do very custom sponsored emails, right? And that's part of like something that can be really creative if you're a, you know, a CPG brand and you're trying to get the word out about something like it's something that's delivered to a lot of people's inboxes and has a, you know, has a, you know, can be really native and can be really, uh, you know, formatted in unique and creative ways. Uh, you know, our customers like WeTransfer, who's a very, you know, kind of speaking earlier of talking to engineers, is like a very designer, engineer kind of based platform that does these incredibly kind of creative, unique, native formats where, you know, they have a built in agency and they work with other agencies. And, and so, you know, I think that, you know, our goal is to kind of enable that you know, creativeness uh, and kind of get us out of the, you know, out of the box of, of a, a traditional banner ad or, or things like that. So I think there's, you know, it's kind of across the board with different customers and how they use us. Yeah. And one of the things that was really interesting that I saw is around like, you know, ad blockers and things like that. What are you working on with um, to, to combat ad blockers? I mean, I guess in a, in a, in a good way, <laughs> good for marketers. Um, uh, but things that, that add value to, to the to the browser. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that there's there's kind of a couple of things tied up there, which is you know ad blockers are becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, and the number one reason, or there's really two reasons that you see people install ad blockers. They're installing them for performance reasons because most advertising really slows down a web page. If you've never installed an ad blocker and and gone to some of your favorite sites, you know, with that ad blocker on, you would frankly be shocked in how quickly things load. Uh, And then the other piece is the privacy side, right? Is the, you know, retargeting and other things that, you know, a lot of people are are conscious about this, you know, their private information being shared and things like that. Uh, So those are kind of the two, two of the big reasons that ad blockers are installed. Uh, We, what we do is because we offer an API, uh, the calls made to us are done on the server side. So we're not getting any personal user information. Uh, and they're also a lot faster because they're done that way. Uh, and then we're not, you know, we're not cooking users. We're not an ad network. Uh, you know, we're really just an extension of that, uh, that company's platform. Uh, so just by that natural piece, I mean, there, it's not really being susceptible to ad blockers in the same way. Uh, ad blockers can always block if they want to. Uh, but I think the key part is that if the ads are, you know, of a high quality, if they're not calling third-party domains, they're not sharing personal information, they're not slowing down the site, 
like we're helping make the internet a better place by by doing that and kind of help you know less people are going to install ad blockers and things like that yes yeah, so to put that in perspective like what what the person what the developer engineer um you know of the site has this decision point to say okay i can go with an ad network or i can go with someone like adzer to create an ad platform like i could do one or the other and i could just serve like regular ads or i could like have something a little bit more customized that's going to end up serving um, our needs better. What's like the pros and cons of that approach? Because I think you're, you nailed it that, you know, one of these options allows you to have a faster site. It allows you to, um, to do some more creative stuff for your customers, you know, for the people that want to spend money with Edmonds versus kind of just dropping an ad network on there. It's a big decision point for publishers. And at the end of the day, the ad network approach is always going to be easier. It's not necessarily going to generate more revenue, uh, but it's going to be easier, right? And I think that's why you've seen a lot of traditional publishers who just, you know, install a bunch of different ad networks. They do things like header bidding where it's making six to 10 calls to different networks and exchanges to try to fill these banner ads. Uh, but at the end of the day, they usually have a, they'll have a small team of people managing it and, you know, they get a check every month and that's it. Whereas, you know, what we kind of tell users is like, we're not solving your problem for you. You know, we're not here to solve your issue of how do you make money? We're here to give you the tools so that you can solve it. And so it's, you know, and we, we talked recently to a huge publisher and we're like, oh, who's, you know, who's the, the product manager on ads? And they're like, oh, we don't have one. We just have these like ad ops guys and we have, uh, you know, a, a head of revenue and somebody doing some direct sales and, and so it's a big shift for some of these companies to really start to think about like, how do we innovate in advertising? Uh, and if you look at our customer list, it's not, you know, your traditional publishers. It's, it's these other platforms who are, who are, who have always thought that way. have always thought about how do we, how do we build an ad unit that we can really charge a premium for? Um, but it's definitely harder, right? It's not the easy way out. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, as you're, as marketers are looking for a solution, I think this is something that, you know, if someone on your team isn't asking these questions, we as marketers are now extremely conscious of where we're putting our money so that it doesn't end up in the wrong place, so that it doesn't end up on the wrong YouTube videos, so that it doesn't wrong, you know, go on on top of a website that we don't want it to. And that's been a huge problem. Um, something like this, if you're working with, you know, if you're a CPG company working with a Bed Bath & Beyond or somebody like that, you know, um, that they have this this tool, this platform in house. Um, well, I guess like sort of in house. Um, that it's going to be, it's going to put your product in a better light. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think from the marketer's perspective, it's also a little bit harder, right? Like I think sometimes the, you know, the payoff comes from doing something that's harder. And so you know, in the case where, you know, if you have a couple million dollars extra to spend and you, you know, you go to your trade desk or DSP and you say, we're just going to buy this audience across the open exchange, like you can spend that $2 million as quickly as you want to, right? Like there's enough general ad inventory out there to do it. Um, but, you know, going and, and maybe working directly with a publisher, you know, or, or finding a platform that might be self-serve, but, you know, you actually have to, you know, have somebody kind of learn how to use it and set it up. Uh, you know, it is going to be harder, but I think that the rewards are going to be there. Like we've seen with 
with the you know the first marketers who adopted and found AdWords. You know, like multi-billion dollar companies were based off of them kind of discovering how lucrative it was early on, right? Or like the DTC brands that first learned how to really market on Facebook. You know, they really benefited from it. So I think, you know, the the extra work of of understanding what unique platforms are out there in your given vertical or in your, you know, given industry uh, can really pay off, uh, especially, you know, but it will take a little bit more work than kind of buying across an open exchange, which can be really easy. Yeah. I mean, and this is, I just by myself, I mean, I think I have a bunch of ad blockers. I can't even, it's like, I can't even remember anymore how many ad blockers I have up. I remember we couldn't see some ad, you know, over and over again. And I forgot that, you know, I had the blocker turned on, but I think that there's a lot of people like that, that, um, set up an ad blocker, you know, a few years ago and just kind of forgot that it was even on, you know, I see ads all the time that are like pixelated or like fuzzy or just weird or super slow to load, or they're like the really annoying pop-ups. I mean, there's so much bad digital advertising out there right now that having a seamless experience and especially having a native experience is, you know, part of the reason why, you know, for many reasons, things like, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and, and Google were able to, you know, grow so fast because their native placements are just way better. And if you don't have something that looks and feels like one of those platforms in terms of, you know, looks good, doesn't, <laughs> isn't, isn't weird, isn't pixelated, doesn't have, you know, uh, those things, it's just not going to perform as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then I think, I think this kind of ties well into one of the other things we, we wanted to talk about, which is that the easy mode is kind of going away. Yeah. You know, so we talk about buying on the kind of the open networks and exchanges and, and a lot of that has been done because we have this access to, to third party data, you know, and so, you know, a CPG, marketer can load in their segments or can load in their customer files and they can cross-reference it with other data loaded into a, you know, a DSP and buy ads targeting those people kind of just across the web, right? You know, and I think when you're doing those kind of campaigns, you know, kind of the old saying, like, you know, some amount of that marketing is wasted, but you know that you're reaching the right people. And so it, it's going to pay off. Um, but with... Chrome uh, phasing out third-party cookies, we're really going to go into a world where that ability to really link to, you know, these third-party data sets is going to get a lot harder. Uh, And I think that's going to put the focus back on the first-party data that these publishers have. Yeah. So explain a little bit like when, what Google announced um, and um, how this is going to change cookies and all that. Yeah, so so the primary way in, in ad targeting, uh, everything works on what's called a third-party cookie. So to kind of get technical for a second, you know, when you're in a browser and you go to, you know, uh, you know, New York Times, right? Like when New York Times, you log into the New York Times, they use a cookie to to remember that you logged in, right? So when you go back, you're still logged in. Uh, that's called a first-party cookie because it's it's uh, being written with the New York New York Times dot com uh, domain. Uh, now, the way that advertising works today is that when you go to New York Times, uh, there's also Google tags on their page. You know, marketers are all very familiar with, you know, Google Tag Manager and all the kind of tags. And, you know, those Google tags are on the page. And Google knows who you are as well, right? So they maybe you've logged into Google. Maybe you've, you know, done other activities where Google tags are on that page. 
Uh, and so Google sets a, has a third-party cookie, which is identifying you on the New York Times. So this is where a lot of the privacy angle comes into it. So, you know, if I go to Edmonds or maybe not Edmonds, if I go to another, if I go to Google and I'm searching for a Jeep Wrangler, you know, Google now says, oh, hey, this guy is looking to buy a Jeep Wrangler. We know that's a really valuable, you know, customer segment. We're going to go ahead and tag him as you know, auto intender and, and interest in Jeeps. And then when I go to New York Times and I'm reading an article about, you know, whatever latest political news, uh, Google knows that they can show me an ad from Chrysler to target the new Jeep Wrangler to me, right? Uh, without that third-party cookie, they don't have that way of identifying me on New York Times unless I'm logging into you know, New York Times with my Google account or something like that. Uh, so it's going to be a really, you know, they've announced that they're going to be phasing third-party cookies out. Uh, it's important to realize these are already phased out in Firefox as well as Safari. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about how Safari, especially mobile Safari, is a lot harder to reach people on. Like it's going to be the same now in Chrome, which is, you know, 60 plus percent of the browser market. Uh, so they've announced they're going to phase this out of it in, in about two years. Uh, you know, it's still kind of up in the air, I think, all the specifics around it. Uh, but it's going to be a pretty seismic change in digital advertising uh, because it's really going to take away the kind of the mode of, you know, I have a user segment. I just want to reach this person anywhere they happen to be. Uh, now, there's a lot of companies talking about ways they, they think they can solve this and work around it. Uh, but I think the, the key thing here is that the browser companies, you know, between, you know it's really Apple, Mozilla, and, and Google have really focused on not letting things be personal identifiable. So even kind of the different approaches people talk about getting around this, if they are personal identifiable, the browser is going to block them. You know, so like I'm a New York Times subscriber, right? I've logged into the New York Times. They know, you know, kind of general data about me. They've sent me some survey to ask me how much I make a year and what my technology is and my title. But today, that information, other than being used for direct sales, is not really used that much from the digital marketing side of things. Uh, that's going to return, right? Like I think it's going to, it's going to, it's going to change how people are buying. Uh, and we think these kind of first-party platforms are the way that will enable this. You know, when you go buy on Facebook, sure, you can import your third-party, you know, your, uh, your user segments. But a lot of times, you're actually using Facebook's first-party data, right? Because they have a lot of data. Or you're using Google's first-party data. So I think we'll see the same thing across a lot of other sites and platforms. Uh, and that's what we, you know, we hope to enable that of, you know, use this first-party data, data that, you know, users have willingly given it can be shared in a truly anonymous way. I think that's that can that's the future of of online advertising. What about like the authentication, um, the way that you can OAuth with you know people are adding you know LinkedIn even more now, and obviously Google and Facebook um, to OAuth into those platforms. It's the way that I think that uh, a lot of digital marketers think the problem will be solved. Uh, but I think the challenge is like you know if I see an article, somebody pastes an article or, or sends me a text message. And I go to click on it and let's say it's CNN or whatever, uh, you know, I get to the article and it suddenly pops up and says I have to, you know, log in with something or I have to fill out my username and email. Like you're going to hit the back button, right? Like 90, 90% of the time, right? So the idea that like suddenly the whole internet is going to be okay with logging into everything is not true. Like what will happen is if, if all these companies start putting up, uh, you know, they call them like registration walls 
then what's going to happen is the publishers who figure out how to avoid these registration walls are going to get all the traffic. And we're just going to see them, die, you know, these registration walled sites die just like the old, you know, newspapers did. Uh, so I think that, you know, that user behavior is not going to change. You know, the back button is not going away. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to, we're going to have to solve this in other ways. Well, there's just too much stuff going on in your newsfeed or whatever it is for you to really, you know, care about that sort of thing anyway. Yeah. I mean, unless the articles, unless it's about you, you're not going to fill it out. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, you can just get the snippet or whatever it is. Um, I'm curious. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about podcasting before you know, we hopped on here. Um, and podcast advertising is, is changing by the minute. So I know there's a, a lot of stuff going on in that play. But one of the reasons why we're so bullish on, on podcasting is this, it's such an intent-based, um, you know, adventure uh, for, you know, an audience that is like seeking something that is long form, that is nuanced in some capacity, that holds attention, that creates value for the person in a way that, you know, I think a lot of, you know, blogs in the early days were doing. Um, but, that, but the advertising on, on those platforms is uh, essentially as, as bad as it gets um, at this point in time. So any thoughts on our, uh, your forward-looking statements on, on podcast advertising? Yeah, podcast advertising is something that's really near and dear to my heart. Like I'm a, I'm a huge podcast listener and fan and, and we work with a, a number of platforms, basically companies that, that help provide the you know, ad insertions and things like that for different podcasts. Uh, one of them being PRX, who we're big fans of. Uh, you know, they're behind Radiotopia, 99% Invisible, and, and podcasts like that. Uh, you know, we think that what makes podcast advertising special is that it is, you know, it's bespoke. It's an, a host reading, you know, a, a, you know, content that was written for that podcast, you know, written for those listeners. Uh, you know, what we want to make sure we don't see is the, is the, you know, we call it the, you know, programmatization of, of podcast advertising, right? Like how terrible would it be to go turn on your favorite podcast and it's a, you know, programmatically inserted radio style ad for, you know, a DTC mattress brand, you know, oh, you're yeah, like, look, if, if you're, yeah, yeah, like if you're going to give me a DTC mattress brand, which I know you're going to get on a podcast, at least read it to me and, you know, in your own voice, right? At least, at least tell me about you opening it yourself and, and add a little bit of the color and the, and the flavor of the podcast to it. Like, I think that, you know, I look at it as something we want to protect. You know, we want to help the companies who are, you know, there are benefits to, to using an ad server or an ad platform like ours to, to, to do this. Like certain things like you can, uh, you know, if you go listen to an old episode of 99% Visible, you know, two years ago, you might hear an ad for their fundraising drive that's going on now, right? And that's because of these kind of things like dynamic insertion, which is really valuable, but that doesn't mean it has to be, it doesn't have to take away the good parts. You know, there's ways to bring in the, the good parts without leaving the, you know, the without bringing in all the bad stuff of, you know, kind of garbage radio ads. Well, and this is um, something that's super critical because of the back catalogs of podcasts. I mean, like we have shows um, that do, you know, whatever about a lot of downloads a month that um, are old shows, you know, two years old. And, you know, we're not published like those, those are seasonal or whatever. They were, you know, single, like one-off kind of podcasts, but the back catalog, you know, continues to churn. 
and for the advertiser who who paid for those spots or the sponsor or however it is, uh, yeah, it would be great to be able to to do dynamic insertion and stuff like that is is getting better and better. Um, and the ability to control it if you're if you're an actual podcast creator is really really valuable. And I think you're totally right that we don't just want to turn this into radio all over again. I mean, I, I think it was Tim Ferriss when he did his survey. 90% of his listeners that he surveyed prefer the ads because they learn about new new topics uh, or new products from Tim. So you're talking about something where it's like, think of the power of that ad as a marketer versus some like, you know, something that's just thrown in there uh, that sounds like a radio ad or, or like a redux or something like don't just because it's easier doesn't mean that um, that it's going to be better. And if it is, you better make sure it's a great ad that stands on its own. You better make sure you have some celebrity voice in there that's saying something really funny with some really good copy. If you're going to just chuck that in the middle of uh, somebody's favorite program, and then they probably won't mind. But if it's a if it's a good value added insertion. Uh, you might be able to pull it off, but otherwise, uh, I I totally agree that those uh, those host red things. I mean, they they straight up perform better, like significantly better. So, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting tidbit. Yeah, I think it goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier. It's like sometimes you know marketing the hard way is a lot of times the right way. You know, it, it might take a little more time to get somebody at your company to do a a quick you know. 30 second interview with a host of a, of a podcast, but those are some of the ones I love the most, you know, like where the host is interviewing somebody who's, you know, at that company who's running something, you know, like I know I've heard ones where it's, you know, somebody at Ford who runs like their innovation division and it's a quick little interview. And like, that's a lot harder to do than kind of create a generic Ford ad and then spread it across a hundred thousand podcasts. But, you know, if we really care about the quality of the marketing and the return on it, and you know your own brand as a marketer like that the, it pays off like doing it the hard way does pay off speaking of a 30 second interview let's get into our lightning round our lightning round is brought to you as always and really all of marketing trends is brought to you by salesforce discover marketing built on the world's number one crm that is salesforce put your customer at the center of every interaction automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. That's salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. James, are you ready? I'm ready. And that was a great marketing read, by the way. Applaud Salesforce <laughs> for this very well-spent uh, marketing dollars. Yeah, that's because they're the best. They, they're the best in the biz. That's why uh, they sponsor uh, the, great, the great marketing trend. Since inception, or somewhere 150 episodes or, or so ago. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Shout out. Shout out to the Parvat team. Okay, lightning round. Uh, what is your favorite thing to cook or eat? My favorite thing to cook or eat? Uh, I would say a breakfast burrito to both cook and eat. What do you do for fun? Uh, I enjoy kind of camping, hiking, kayaking, you know, getting, getting out away from the computer. What app on your phone is the most fun? What app on my phone? Uh, uh, you know, lately I'd say it's Duolingo. I've been trying to learn a new language. That's been a lot of fun. Favorite TV show? I'd say right now it's a better call Saul. It's coming back soon. Yeah. Um, how about favorite podcast? Favorite podcast. Uh, I'll have to go with Reply All from Gimlet. Interesting. Interesting. 
I thought you were going to go 99 PI because it is. They're, they're very close, but reply all really speaks to my generation of uh, people who grew up on the internet. Do you have a hidden talent or passion? Hidden talent? Uh, not that I could think of. Creating companies is not a hidden talent, but uh, you've done it's it. It's not hidden, times. but it's definitely my passion. Yeah, it's definitely my passion. So I'm curious, what is your best advice for a first time CEO? I think the, the number one thing you can do is focus on your customers uh, and focus on generating revenue. Uh, you know, I guess it's probably different. I'm very focused on B2B businesses. Maybe it's different on consumer businesses. But, you know, I think that you see way too many companies who focus on, you know, things way down the road or focus on the mechanics of running the business. Uh, I think it always comes down to getting in a tight feedback loop with your potential customers and customers and just talk to them as much as you can. James, that's it. That's all we got. Any final uh, final thoughts? Any things to plug? Everybody should check out adzerk.com if you haven't already. Yeah, check out adzerk.com. And then, and then also we have, uh, we recently launched a community we call ad.product, uh, which you can find from our site. And really, fo- it's really focused on kind of helping product managers and developers who are working on, you know, really unique and native advertising, giving them a place to kind of, you know, uh, we do interviews and and post content and, and share different content because uh, we really just believe in, in you know, companies building these more innovative, uh, better ads. I love it. And all sorts of fun GDPR and, and stuff on there as well, which is... Uh, which we always, all love. Which we all love. Um, James, that's it. Thanks, thanks for hopping on and uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands. 
to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.